when we stay still for long enough, we start to see the reality of impermanence. You know, it's difficult to notice it when we're running around, when we're busy doing lots of things, planning, engaged. It all gets very real and solid. And the sense of who I am gets very real and solid and firms up. So just before the sitting now, I was uh, in my room looking out at the, there's two very beautiful trees just outside my window with gorgeous autumn colours. Every moment leaves were falling from that, those trees and uh, just watching that every moment a leaf was falling or several leaves were falling. Right there is the teaching of the Buddha. You might be familiar with the story of the Buddha going into a forest with a group of monks, asking the monks you know, what is great, and then he reaches down, picks up a handful of leaves from the forest floor, and then he asks, which are greater, the leaves in my hand or the leaves in the, on this forest floor? And they say, well, Lord, the leaves in the, on the forest floor are much greater than the leaves in your hand. And uh, he says, yes, that's right. And my understanding and the detail and the many aspects of truth are as manyfold as the leaves on this forest floor. But the teaching that I give you is like this handful of leaves, and everything you need to know is in this handful of leaves. So, you know, we can make the, the teaching very complex. We can get fascinated by all kinds of wonderful variations on the teachings and also on the teachings themselves. They're, they're, they're huge, the volumes of suttas. And then there's the Abhidhamma, the, the kind of more metaphysical aspect of the teaching. You can get really into that, it's fascinating. You know, I was saying before about um, Pariyati, Patibhati and Patiwedi. So Pariyati being the the, non, the intellectual, the book knowledge, you know, it's, it's good, it's useful, it's a good thing to be putting into our minds, and it's helpful to have the framework, but it is just that. And the handful of leaves are what we need to really practice with, so noticing impermanence, stopping still long enough to see impermanence. So we can see it in nature, outside of ourselves, and if we stop for long enough just to take a breath or two, we can see it in ourselves. We can see it in a breath, we can see it in a mood, in a thought, in a feeling. We can see it in the way that we manifest. We manifest in different ways with different people in different situations. So it's not that we're hypocrites because we're you know, different with one person than with another, it's just the conditions are different, it brings out a different side in us. So just to be aware, to, to still the mind long enough to be aware of all of that.
and this teaching on impermanence, on unsatisfactoriness and not self. And this is liberating teaching. It's very simple. Just three little leaves in the hand. Very simple. And the teaching is going on all the time. <laughs> all the time in and around us. And we miss it because we're busy, engaged in the world, or we're looking too hard, we're looking for something more complex, more fascinating, maybe more inspiring. And so we miss this simple and beautiful teaching that is going on all the time. Each breath teaches us impermanence, and not self. If we look in the right way, so this breath of life, without which we just survive for a few minutes at the most, it's changing all the time. We're sharing it all the time. All through this retreat we've shared the breath, we've shared breath with each other, we've become part of each other. And we go outside and the trees and the birds and the squirrels, and the cats and the horse, they're all breathing too. So we're sharing breath with all these living beings. So we're part of each other. And yet it feels like this is my breath, I'm taking a breath. I'm mindful of my breath. It's kind of mine in a sort of way very, very temporarily. But it's uh, really is shared. It's borrowed and shared. So just uh, you know, having these reflections, keeping them close to you, and particularly as you go back into more challenging environments, where the sense of self is, is not only likely to arise, but it's expected. You're supposed to be somebody. There's something wrong with you if you're not. So uh, it's, it's okay, you know, we can play the game. We do have to be somebody. We have to be different somebodies in different situations. And we can play that game, but we know it's a game. We know it's the, the way we have to manifest in this conventional realm. And maybe we can remember a greater reality that we may have touched into on this retreat. Or even just heard one of our sisters speak about. 
so the mind that is aware of whatever conditions are arising. The mind that is open, or the heart that is open, even in challenging situations, somebody's blaming you for something that isn't your fault. And to be able to keep the heart open and hear the pain of that other person and not buy into the story, not take up the fight. So when we do this, it's coming from a place of metta or maybe karuna, compassion. And we're not uh, acting out of ego, defense, the need to be right, the need to be heard, the need to be acknowledged. But there's a, a resting back into the greatness that we all share that doesn't belong to any of us. So the great heart. The little ego isn't able to make a great heart. It tries sometimes, it does its best. But the great heart is bigger than the ego, it's bigger than the personality, it's bigger than the self. It's holding all of it. It's undisturbed by any of it. And the self will arise again and again, making its demands. Complaining, fearful, wanting, expecting. And if we remember, we can meet that with the great heart, or the great awareness that's bigger than any of it. So the great heart and the great awareness, it knows that the ego cannot be satisfied. No matter how much we try to gratify, feed, soothe. It can be kind of pacified for a while, but it can't be gratified. It can't be, it can't come to a place of completion. Because it's the nature of the ego to want and not want. But the great mind, the mind of awareness, the great heart, doesn't need anything or want anything. Because it is everything. So 
So we may find ourselves moving from this small experience of self to a greater awareness and back again. And sometimes when that happens we feel disappointed when we fall into that little me and mine story again. So it's not really in our control to decide whether that happens or not. We can feed and nourish the strength of awareness and the qualities of the Brahma Viharas, of loving kindness, compassion, uh, joy for the well-being of others and equanimity. We can nourish those qualities in our lives and that will help to see through the, uh, the little mind, the little heart. And we have to also take care of that a little bit. You know. Can't just beat that down. You know, in some cultures they talk about killing the kilesas. You've got to kill the kilesas. Kill the greed, kill hatred, starve it out. You know. It's a very macho approach. I tried. It <laughs> wasn't very successful. Because you're, then you're meeting these with an aversive mind, with a wanting to get rid of. So a little kindness, a little patience, listening. This goes a long way. But not buying into the story. Recognizing your greatness, your natural greatness. So there's a little poem I'd like to share with you. Uh, by I'm afraid I don't know the name of the Rinpoche, but it's by a Tibetan Rinpoche. And uh, I just find it a very beautiful poem, so I'm going to share it now. Rest in natural great peace, this exhausted mind, beaten helplessly by karma and neurotic thought, like the relentless fury of the pounding waves on the infinite ocean of Sangsara. Rest in natural great peace, take rest. <laughs> 